Hi, everybody. Carrie here with Humane Voices. Really excited to have you here today. And I am especially excited to welcome our guest today, Vicki Katrinik, Director of Animal Research and Testing for the HSUS. Um, we are talking to Vicki today because uh, we have got some sort of things happening around the long, long battle around the testing of cosmetics on animals, which is one of those issues that I just really, I can't believe is still happening, and yet it is. Um, and But there have been some really exciting developments. New Jersey just became the eighth state, state to ban the sale of cosmetics tested on animals, and new legislation has been introduced in Congress. So it's kind of a nice moment, um, and we're talking about what it's going to really take to end this, this long-standing horrible practice. I was going to come on the pod today sort of, you know, decked out in cruelty-free makeup and glammed up, but, you know, it's the it's the pandemic and I still can barely put on, you know, anything other than pajamas. So I didn't go that far. It's it's not necessary. We're not about glam here. We're about substance. So, Vicki, let's talk about substance, like um, incredible news about the New Jersey bill. Was it was it close? Like, what did the politics of that look like? Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me to speak today about our work to end cosmetic animal testing. We were really excited. Uh, the votes in both the Senate and the assembly in New Jersey were unanimous. And actually something that's never, I've never witnessed before is during the Senate committee hearing, all the senators who were not already co-sponsors of the bill asked to have their names added to the, to the bill before it That's passed That's unbelievable. So yes. what, dro what drove that? Was it just like there was so much enthusiasm that they were all like, we want to be associated with this thing? You know, it's funny. Um, during testimony from our New Jersey state director at the time, he made the comment that all of the assembly committee members were co-sponsors of the bill. And that's what spawned oh, the Senate committee great, members to right, say, like, right. we want to do that too. Excellent. Get on the, get on the humane <laughs> bandwagon. That's fantastic. Exactly. So, and, but New Jersey is only just the latest of states to do this, right? So, so what's been kind of driving this momentum? I know you, you know, like that you you and your team just do a tremendous amount of work on this, but you know, is, is there sort of stuff in the wind happening that's kind of like making this move? Yeah, so we were pleased to see that five states actually banned the sale of animal-tested cosmetics just in 2021. Um, in addition to New Jersey, there were laws that were passed in Virginia, Maryland, Maine, and Hawaii. Um, and we're already well on our way this year for additional states to take action. There's uh, bills in Washington and Florida have already passed their first committees, and we're just, you know, Fantastic. just in January right now. Um, there's also bills under consideration in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and New York. And then wow. we do expect a few additional states to introduce bills in the coming months. So lots of activity, lots of excitement around the issue on the state level, which is great. Of course. And then, yeah, the tell us a little bit about what's happening on the federal level, too, because that's one of the things that that is really kind of the big news. Right. So the Humane Cosmetics Act was just reintroduced into Congress in December, um, and it has a lot of broad bipartisan support, which we're really excited about. Um, and what that would do is ban the production of animal tested cosmetics. So companies that are based in the U.S. wouldn't be able to test their products or ingredients on animals. And then it would also prohibit the sale of cosmetics that were tested anywhere else in the world. Mm, so incredible. we're really hoping that that will have some movement this year. Yeah. So Vicky, I'm, you know, like I was saying, I just, I sort of can't believe that this isn't done yet, but you know, I was curious just for the lar larger context for our listeners, when we talking about cosmetics, what are we talking about? Are we just talking about makeup? Are we talking about other products? Like what's sort of enfolded in, in these, these pieces of legislation? 
Right. And a lot of people do think when you say the word cosmetics, they're thinking about makeup, they're thinking about lipstick and mascara. And those things are cosmetic products, of course, but the FDA's definition for cosmetics includes other things such as shampoos and aftershave and deodorant. So really everyone, even if you don't wear makeup, um, is using cosmetic products every day in their daily lives. Yeah. So it's, it's not just if you want to be glam, it's also, if you want to be not stinky, et cetera, you just, you know, you want to do it without hurting animals. So this is it's exactly. all good news. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, like in terms of the larger, the context of how many animals are impacted by this still, like what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, unfortunately, that's a really tough question to answer. Um, It is really hard to get an accurate picture because reporting laws in different countries are so varied Mm. or even non-existent in some cases. Mm. In the U.S., as an example, the Animal Welfare Act does not require testing facilities to report the numbers of mice and rats that are used in testing at all. And those happen to be, unfortunately, the most common species used in animal testing. But even for species like rabbits and guinea pigs that are also used, um, there's no requirement that the purpose of the testing be disclosed. So you're not really getting an accurate picture of of how often it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have done estimates um, that worldwide between 350,000 to 500,000 animals are used each year to assess either the safety of cosmetic products or the component ingredients. And is that that's animals of all types, including mice and rats, or not even being able to estimate on rice, mice and rats? That 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 includes mice and rats. Yes. Mm, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's this is a tremendously sad thing to me. If, if anyone has ever known a mouse or a rat, which I did when I was a kid, um, mice and rats can be just absolutely amazing little creatures, and they have such personalities. And the idea that they're just completely obliterated from consideration just upsets me. Um, yes. So I'm curious, you know, when I'm thinking about like how long, you know, our movement has been fighting this issue, you know, can you give us some sort of big highlights of sort of the progress on it over time? That would be sort of, you know, when did people first start trying to get this addressed? When did it start getting looked at and sort of like what have big highlights in the movement been? Sure. So Congress passed in 1938, the Federal Food, Drug and Cosmetic Act. Before that, cosmetics were completely unregulated. Mm. And it took some real tragedies that occurred involving cosmetics where people died or were seriously harmed by cosmetics for Congress to decide that they needed to make sure that cosmetics were safe in some way. Mm. Um, And it was actually an FDA scientist, John Drays, who developed some of the tests that are still in use today, the Drays Drays eye test and the Drays skin irritancy test. They were developed in 1944. And this is where the rabbits are restrained and then the chemicals placed in one eye and the other ones used as the control, or in the case of the skin test, they shave the side of the skin. Um, And then the animals are observed for signs of irritation, redness, bleeding, ulcers. And unfortunately, while the tests are much less common today than they were back then, um, they are still allowed to be used today. Um, And it's hard to imagine with all the technological advances that we have seen in this world that these archaic tests are still being used almost 80 years later. Mm. But uh, the movement against using animals in cosmetics testing really began in earnest in the 1980s. And at that time, companies were targeted by animal advocates that tried to end the practice. And many of the large cosmetics companies did in the 90s um, 
agree to stop testing their finished products on animals. Unfortunately, there was still the issue of the cosmetics ingredients being tested. Mm, interesting. So, so in terms of like what the status is now, like I still like, it's incredible to me that the, like that the Dre's test is still around. It's one of those things, you know, like when I, when I think back, like when we're talking about the eighties, I, I feel like this is one of those things like saving the whales where it's like, we thought we had saved them. Right. And, and like the Dre's test, I feel like was one of the very first things that got me interested in what was happening to animals in our research. And, and the fact that it's still sort of a, a standard protocol, is that the case across all countries or is, are there particular countries that have sort of phased the Dre's test out and are moving away from this stuff? Or is it, is it particular everywhere now? You know, there's really been a movement away from using animal tests, such as the Dre's eye test. Um, mm -hmm. But it was really uh, countries taking action on this issue that spurred the, the development of the non-animal methods. And, you know, the U.S. is a little bit lagging behind uh, many hmm. other countries in taking a, uh, a legislative step towards ending the practice. 41 countries have already passed laws that end or limit the practice, including the member states of the EU, mm. India, Israel, Guatemala, Australia, South Korea, you know, it goes on and on. Um, and, and actually in 2021, Mexico became the first country in North America to prohibit the production and sale of animal tested cosmetics. So it really is time for the United States to step up and do this. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, just out of curiosity is when, when these sort of things have moved, does this sort of movement, I mean, I know, know you have some significant allies in trying to move this issue in the corporate world. And so I'm curious, like, do you tend to see when, when sort of legislation starts moving it is is it frequently because it gets some good corporate backing where people are actually advocating from within the industry or does it tend to start within government itself or both or is it you know it's it's funny that it's really switched over the years so mm -hmm. in the past we were felt like we were fighting against the corporations to get mm. this done and in recent years a lot of the major corporations have actually signed on in support of mm. this work and so that's been really helpful and has really been a game changer. And I think that's part of the reason we're seeing such momentum these days. Mm. And so when the companies get in, engaged, is that typically something that sort of happens just organically or is it because they hear from consumers? I mean, is this a place where our, our listeners can get involved in helping, helping push some of these issues? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of interest from the public in only purchasing cruelty-free products. Uh, Nielsen did a survey several years ago, which asked people to rate different claims that cosmetic companies may put on their packaging. Mm. And they found that consumers identified cruelty-free or not tested on animals as the most important packaging mm. claim that they look for on the products. So clearly consumers care about this issue. And, and obviously that's important to the companies. But in addition, when you have, um, countries like the EU saying, yeah, you can't do this anymore. It, it forces the companies to, to move away from animal testing and try to develop the non-animal methods instead. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this labeling question and what consumers are looking for. Just, if, I mean, it is, is when you see a, a product labeled cruelty-free, is that something that is trustworthy? I know that there's like, we, we see a lot of stuff around food labeling where people are, get confused around what a label means and think, you know, organic, it means cruelty-free when it doesn't. And so are there, are there things you can look for in terms of products that are reliable versus less reliable? 
Yeah, definitely. So unfortunately, there is no regulatory definition for cruelty-free mm-hmm. or not tested on animals, which means that basically a company could say whatever they want and it can mean whatever it means to wow. them. Um, so that's why it's so important that we have these third-party certification programs. The Humane Society of the United States is part of the Leaping Bunny program. Mm -hmm. And what that does is require that companies commit to no new animal testing for their finished products, for their formulations, or for the component ingredients. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if consumers are interested, you know, I encourage, and this is how I shop, if you go to the Leaping Bunny website, leapingbunny.org, there's even a free app on um, Apple and Android devices that you could download that has the cruelty-free shopping list right there. So you can Mm, ensure that the products you're buying are truly cruelty-free. So given this sort of momentum, you know, it, it sounds like there are still some companies that are doing testing. I mean, what is what is driving that, given that the sort of public is against it, that there's so much sort of drive to sort of eliminate it? What What is kind of causing it to sort of still exist? Yeah, so there's two main reasons uh, I would say that companies continue to test on animals. The first is for new ingredient testing. FDA does not require animal testing for cosmetics. The agency says that companies have to be able to ensure that their products are safe for the consumer, but how they choose to do so is up to them. However, many of the new ingredients that are developed are not used solely in cosmetic products. They might Mm -hmm. be used in other types of products as well, and therefore there may be some animal testing requirements for those ingredients that have nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the cosmetics. Mm -hmm. And that's true both to satisfy testing requirements in the U.S. as well as those that are in other countries, Hmm. which which brings us to the other problem that we have in this space, which is uh, China, Hmm. which is often cited as the reason why cosmetics companies cannot end animal testing for their products. Now, I am hopeful because in May of 2021, China released new regulations that should open the door for companies to import their cosmetics without the need for new animal testing. But there are still some issues that all need to be overcome. Um, One is that some of the cosmetics are considered special use by China. Mm -hmm. Like, so these are things like hair dyes or skin lighteners, and they still have mandatory animal testing. Uh, The second is that Chinese regulators don't always accept the data from the non-animal methods. So even if a company is using a non-animal method, if China doesn't accept that data, they may have to uh, conduct an animal test for that. And then finally, the new regulations put in a provision that said that companies who want to import into the country would have to provide good manufacturing practices certificates uh, Mm. in order to do so. But unfortunately, the FDA does not provide those certificates. So great. (laughs) You know, so we're kind of in this this holding pattern where we're Mm -hmm. seeing hopeful signs that things are changing, but there definitely are some issues that need to be resolved. Hmm. Okay. Oh, so tell us a little bit more about like the, what's going on with the Humane Cosmetics Act. Cause I think that is one of the biggest piece of news, obviously, because it's a federal piece of legislation. And I think probably our listeners would love to know what they can do to support it and make sure that that thing actually moves. Yes. Yes. And we would love that. Um, So 
the bill has very strong bipartisan support, um, but we also worked really closely, not just with the sponsors of the bill, but also the Personal Care Products Council, Mm -hmm. which is the trade organization in the U.S. that represents 90% of the cosmetics industry. Oh, that's Um, great. Mm -hmm. So we've come to an agreement with them on language, and we're working together to help get this bill over the finish line. Um, in addition to the trade organization, we also have garnered support from 370 independent companies mm. who have let their name to endorse the bill. And this support is just so helpful for our work on the HCA because you could you can let a federal legislator know, hey, there's a company in your state or in your district that has endorsed this bill. And that's been really, really helpful. Right. And they know that they're not going to have the fight with it, too. If they're actually getting support from some of these companies, that's terrific. Exactly. It's not so often in our work that we Mm -hmm. get to say that we have the support of the regulated industry (laughs) in trying to regulate them further. Um, So it's kind of fun to work on it at this stage. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what our listeners and and folks out there can do to help support this movement, like what what would you advise? I mean, I know we we have a lot of materials on our website. Are there particular things that they that sort of just average Joe and Jane citizen can do right now to sort of move this along? Yeah, we would love everyone to contact their two federal senators and their federal representative and urge them to co-sponsor the bill. Um, and they could do that very easily by going to humanesociety.org slash humane cosmetics. And there's a, you can fill out the form and you can send a message directly to all your federal legislators. It really couldn't be any easier. Great. Oh, that's great, Vicki. So what, what's the expected timing around this? Do we know yet? Like, when is this bill going to come up and get argued about? And Yeah, it's so tough with federal legislation. It's, it's so, um, you know, it, just because you get the bill introduced doesn't mean it's going to get a hearing and committee. Right, um, right. So right now, we're really focused on gaining additional support from members of Congress to try to push this issue to the forefront. I mean, unfortunately, the cosmetics legislation goes to the same committee that is dealing with all FDA issues and mm, bureaucracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, there's that, but also, you know, we are still in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, yeah, a few other things on their plates. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a lot on their plates right now, yeah. but we're really hoping to see some movement before the end of the summer, because as you know, we have a big election coming up in 2022. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once the legislators are all distracted with re-election, it's hard to get their attention on anything else. So we're really hoping to see some movement before the summer. All right. Well, we'll be crossing our fingers. Thank Vicky, you. is there anything else that we have, um, we have not touched on? Yeah, I just, you know, we're really at a tipping point here on this issue with the availability of the non-animal tests a global trend of banning the practice, both in other countries and in the individual states, as well as the industry support. It's, it is really time for the United States to catch up and pass the Humane Cosmetics Act. And, and again, I just encourage everyone, if you can, to take action and, and help us get this done. Thank you so much for being here. This was really helpful and hopefully folks can actually take some action on this. Um, I am Carrie here with Humane Voices and our guest was Vicki Katrinik, Director of Animal Research and Testing for HSUS. And we'll all keep our fingers crossed and look for news on the Humane Cosmetic, Cosmetics Act coming up in the coming months. Um, and we will hopefully have you back to celebrate victory sometime in the near future. I would love that. <laughs> Thanks so much.